Welcome to Afterlives with Kara Cooney, in which we discuss ancient Egyptian history and relevant current events that we think will be of interest to our audience. I am Kara Cooney, and I'm a professor of Egyptology at UCLA. This podcast is separate from my teaching and research roles at UCLA. In recent years, I've become active in communicating with the general public about the history of ancient Egypt through lectures, interviews, social media, books, and guest appearances. This podcast is my opportunity to take the kinds of deep dives into history that are not always possible in academic formats. Hello, everyone. Hey, hey Gordo. How you doing? Hey, everyone. Good. It's good. We just were on Instagram and Facebook Live. Yes. Which was fun. It was my first time. I'm tired, too. (laughs) When it's hard, when it's, like, cloudy. It very, so rarely happens here in L.A.? It has never, it has gotten hot one weekend. Supposed to be hot next weekend. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Just one weekend and otherwise it's been like low 70s, high 60s. Yeah. Sorry for not using Celsius. I understand it's racist. But it's been low 60s, high 70s for like months. Yeah. It's been cold. Yep. I'm okay with it, actually. Yeah. Um, but it'll be nice to just put on, you know, a sundress and not have mm-hmm. to yep. take something else. Agreed. Yeah. You always have to bring a sweater, especially mm-hmm. as soon as the sun goes down. It's like chilly then. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so you're really busy right now. I'm so fucking busy. I am dying. I am dying. Watch your hair. Oh, oh, thank you. My yeah. hair touched the microphone and Jordan's micromanaging me. It's fine. I don't mind. Um, I'm okay. Let me start again. I am so fucking busy. I'm dying. And I'm looking at Amber and she's like, yes, you are destroying me. And I said, Remy's like, well, I mean, if you get it done, it'll be okay. You're not going to lose much. I'm like, yeah, just like probably a couple years of my life <laughs> because I, like, I'm staying up till like three in the morning, which in the old days was nothing, but now yeah. I don't, I'm too old. I can't do this. To put this in context, Kara's uh, book manuscript, manuscript draft mm-hmm. to send off to peer review is... Mm-hmm. The uh, due date is quickly arriving. Yeah, it's, it's Monday. Monday. So. It's Monday. And I don't know if we're going to make it. We might be a day late. I don't know what's going to happen because life... You got to believe. You got this. We're going to make it happen. There's 72 hours left. <sighs> you guys just don't sleep. And I hate past Kara. So yes. current Kara is like, fuck you, past Kara. Why didn't you put that information in there when you were reading it? You, it would have taken you two seconds. I always think this to myself, To too. put that information in there, and then it nope. wouldn't be like John Taylor 2000. Which one? Which one, past Kara? Which one of the ten? <laughs> I do that, too, where I'll, like, take notes, and I don't write down the page number. And I'm like, you're so lazy. And you have to look you it up. write down the page number. And that we, I can waste an hour trying to oh, find yeah. And then if you don't quote. have the... But you're like, what was that in? And yep. it's madness. So that's yeah. where I am right now. So for everyone, be be nice to future selves. And yes, think of your future self. Tight, take the citation, yeah. even though it breaks up the writing. I mean, it's hard because past Kara was trying to be freewheeling and mm-hmm. have big thoughts and well, it's help. It's write fast disruptive and in not, the writing process. It is. To stop every five seconds and, oh, let me go find a citation. You can't write with editing mind. You yeah. can't write with a footnoting mind. You can write with a mind that's free and loose, that's able to come up with big ideas. But then when you go back and you and you need to yep. clean this shit up, yep. it's, ah. Uh, so anyway, I know why it's like this. I understand my process. But, you know, I'm actually not that mad at past Kara. It's what she does. No. <laughs> it's fine. Just but, is. but current Kara is suffering. But this is the perfect podcast episode because I don't need to prep. Not that I ever do. But like, I don't. She's like, I didn't prep. She's like, pitch, please. <laughs> but, uh, 
but today is a good day for yes. this podcast because I'm so overwhelmed and my nose is above water and I'm barely keeping it together. And so to just ask a bunch, yeah. to, to answer a bunch of listener questions from our new Patreon setup is awesome. Yep. Yeah. So today we'll be doing the June uh, Q and A's um, from our uh, patrons. So they've, if they wanted to, they submitted a question to get answered. Some submitted multiple, so we'll we'll go through them as as we go. And this will be, um, yeah, this week's episode, which we're going to bump. Obviously, as you're listening to it, we bumped it in the queue above other episodes we had. That's great. Recorded. That's great. So, yeah. So, let's get started. Our first one is from Tanya. I'm not going to use last names because I don't want to, like, if people aren't comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. So, in the future, you want your name, you know. Maybe put it in your question, like, I'm cool with using my name, or I don't want you to use my name, whatever. Let us know, but we'll, you can use first names for now, so they're still pretty ambiguous. So this is from Tanya. She says, hi, Kara. I've been reading and listening to you for almost three years now, and I value your perspective and analyses so much. I love that. I am so excited to be able to ask you a question now. There was something in Good Kings, and maybe you also mentioned it somewhere on the podcast, about civilizational collapses. Mm-hmm which has been for me for a while now, um, for me for a while now, and I wanted to ask a question about it, so it's been lingering with her. Mm-hmm. You've talked about interregnal periods, traditionally viewed by historians as periods of social decline, mm-hmm. but more recently considered potentially happier times, in air, in air quotes, for the general population compared to strong king periods when peasants had to break their backs building the impressive artifacts archaeologists find today. Yeah. So I guess to speak more on more on that. Yeah, so... Oh, this ties... I'll continue. Hold on. Oh, yeah. So this ties in with the Hollywood vision of the scary post-apocalyptic world that modern proponents of patriarchy present as the motivator to keep the current system, right? Damn straight. Right. You want to hearken back to this time of greater whatever. Yeah. Despite all its shortcomings, a world where there's only chaos, dog-eat-dog violence, and a struggle for survival. Can you talk about an alternative version of a post-climactic post-climate change, post-nuclear war, post-collapse of capitalism world. That's not, I guess, negative and scary. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any evidence other than wishful thinking that such a post-collapse world could be even better with less violence and more equality? And then some, any recommendations on authors you have thought, uh, you know, have written on this topic that they could look into further? Yeah. So um, the, what was the first part? Because there was the the so co- could you, okay, so Oh, right, the intermediate period. So first yes. intermediate periods, then collapse. Being as maybe yeah. times of actually more people had more stuff, more yeah. equality. And yeah. then so looking towards m- maybe a post-climate change, post-nuclear war, post-collapse capitalism. Right, right, right. Everyone's, the, the GOP is trying to make it this super scary thing that we don't want to happen. Well, so do the admonitions of Ipuware, you mm-hmm. know, a, a Middle Kingdom text that's trying to make the first intermediate period look like the scariest thing ever. And one could argue that Cormac McCarthy's The Road falls into this trap or that Mad Max movies fall into mm-hmm. this trap. Pick your apocalyptic zombie movie um, and it falls into many of these traps. So, you know, intermediate periods, a lot more work needs to be done. And I don't want to give the, a false impression because intermediate periods in Egypt were still under patriarchal control. And people who wanted to survive on a farm with enough labor and protection for their farm still needed a whole shit ton of children and Mm -hmm. a lot of sons. And so it doesn't mean that women suddenly get to run around in a feminist um, alternative reality. That's not the case. It's still a patriarchal role with all of those patriarchal strictures. 
it's just more decentralized. Yeah. And so the question that we Egyptologists are asking is, what does this mean for regular people? Were their taxes less? Or if they're ruled by a local warlord slash governor, are they worse? And yeah. and it's not it's not always clear. And I think it's um, it can be different in different circumstances. What I think I will say, being a specialist of the third intermediate period, uh, is that rich people get poor and poor people can get rich. And that's an interesting, and the, and the Egyptians say that straight mm -hmm. out in some of these pessimistic yep. texts in the pessimistic literature, which is a very interesting way of leveling things, um, helping uh, people who used to be up and coming to actually get to the top or to pull down some of those people who had a, a shit ton of power and, and, mm -hmm. and level them, make them, you know, and that's a, that's not a bad thing. Yep. Right. Um, Walter Scheidel has, has a book on this, that, right? The it? Great Leveler. The or, great... Well, and the Escape from Rome, yeah. too. Yeah. So, yeah, Walter Scheidel's written a lot about it. Yeah. So check out any from of From the Roman perspective. From the Roman. So, yeah. I mean, essentially the idea is, like, you know, Rome falls, bad, collapse. Yeah. But, like, and then the Middle Ages, everyone terms, thinks about, traditionally thinks about, I know, obviously, this has changed a lot. Um, and there's been a, lots of good pushback against this. But traditionally, it's like the Dark Ages, which yeah. we know is not true. Yeah, where people that, are, like, murdering and eating yeah. babies and, you know, women are raped on every street corner. These things are not necessarily happening. Why would a state necessarily stop these things from happening at all? I mean, I live in a yeah. in, the, in California in a big city where we actually have a functioning government, and there's homeless people on every corner that mm -hmm. the state can't seem to figure out what to do with, most of them high on some sort of drug that doesn't make them very nice. And that we haven't – is that the beginning of the intermediate period? Maybe, or is it the collapse of the state? Is it, in my opinion, it's like the state fucking it up and doing everything wrong. Yeah. And then maybe when we get on the other side of that, it'll be a, we'll enter a different reality in which people don't feel quite so um, ready to give it all up and just walk yeah. away from it completely. I think this question too, it's like when you're going through it, you don't even know you're going through it. So like, yeah. are like, are we going through the climate change collapse right now? Yeah. Yes, but it happens over such a long period of time yeah. that you don't, you can't look at it until you're removed from it. So just, maybe in like 300 years, yeah. when people are studying this in, you know, or 500 years from now, and they look back, they'll see this as the beginnings of something, but uh, yeah, we don't know yeah. where we are when we're in it. So we can't. I just wrote this in the Coffins book that 20, late 20th dynasty Egyptians didn't have the foresight that we have mm -hmm. looking at history. And the reason they continued to use their bureaucracy, their their government systems, their Kenbet courts, and their investigations in the way that they did was because they didn't know that things would change yeah. um, so drastically and that all of these state systems would eventually collapse. They, they continued to use what they had around them. Mm -hmm. We continue to do these things too. But, but the final point I'll say about intermediate periods is well, two things. One, we need a whole lot more work. And that's starting in Egyptology and in all kinds of disciplines mm -hmm. where people are like, look, we've focused on the high points. Let's look at the downward slides and see what it actually means. Yep. And then number two, people who do focus on them are learning about extraordinary creativity and innovation mm -hmm. from those time periods. It's a time of adaptation. Yep. It's a time of people breaking things down and creating something. And I, I heard this word in another podcast I was listening to, the word composting. Mm -hmm. And I have a compost in the mm -hmm. backyard. But it's nice to think of something that needs to decay. 
Yep. It needs to die. It needs to go away. And then by composting it, you create the raw material to build and grow something yeah. new. And sometimes you need to go through that composting period in social systems. Things do become decadent. They become unfair. They become corrupt. They they become very bitter for people who are living under them. And mm -hmm. so you need to kind of mess with it. Yeah. Intermediate periods do that. Yeah. So, you know, you could look at, I think it's always, we see them as bad because of the whoever comes into power afterwards wants you to view those as bad and that, yep. you know, they've restored order and all these things. And aren't you so glad I'm here to make things good again? So and remember who they're telling that to. They're telling their elite to base, yes. right? And the elite base. Who they just gave a bunch of money and right. prestige to. And, yeah. and in the United States, you, you don't even need to be that elite. You just need to be a white uh, cis male to feel like your world is falling apart mm -hmm. around your ears. And, oh, my God, we need to make America great again. And... And all, uh, all of this ideology comes. I'm still into play. reading that 1619 book, oh, and yeah. the chapter I'm on is all about this idea of like minority rule yes. and its foundations within yes. the um, Constitution and Calhoun and all this craziness. And it's like you're you're seeing it's the legacy of it still. It's all still today. there. Yeah. And for you and me as Egyptologists, it's not frightening or even surprising because a couple hundred years is nothing. It's mm -hmm. nothing. And for us as historians, to look at social systems, we see those lasting for millennia in Egypt. Yep. They can last for millennia if the social circumstances are supported within them. Yeah. So 250 years, 400 years to bring it back to the 1619 project. Yep. Yeah, whatever. Well, and like, I think that's why studying the humanities and the mm -hmm. past is important because we can see it with this removal, right? Yeah. We're not in it currently. And since you just said that, before I answer the second part of this question, let me give a shout out to those of you who are listening and who are like, I really want to major in something humanities oriented, but everyone's telling me I need to get a real trade and I need mm -hmm. to do something that's more practical. Well, let me call major BS on that because there are a ton of jobs, not enough people to take those jobs right now, and not enough people who know how to read critically, Think. write effectively, argue effectively. We don't have enough critical thinkers out there. We are training with trades and humanities majors are incredibly valuable. And mm -hmm. those humanities majors who have majored with me can get extraordinary careers yeah. afterwards. You just have to be very creative about what it is you're looking for. A business degree is not necessarily going to get you what it is that you want. Whereas if you learn to be a critical thinker with a history degree, you can do the, many of the same things, if not more, yep. than that mm -hmm. business degree. So just you know, a little shout out to protect the humanities, which really is under assault. I, under, no, I understand why. Because people are so anxious in this difficult economy, um, in these circumstances of scarcity. Yeah. They're like, oh my God, my kid's not going to get a job. My kid's going to get screwed over. The kid is like, I need to make sure that I'm able to support myself. And how am I going to ever buy a house or whatever? So you do, you'd go the path that you think is going to be the safest rather than holistically training yourself mm -hmm. to be the best thinker yeah. that you can, the best It's the now best like a one-to-one -one equivalency. Member. I go to school in this, so therefore I can exactly. be this. Exactly. And it's not always, it doesn't need to be that way. No. Um, and then the second part of, Ta it's Tanya, right? Tanya, yes. Um, the second part of Tanya's thoughtful question is, because, you know, the third intermediate period. So could there period, be a place post-collapse Yeah, post-collapse. I mean, this is. Could we, instead of having it be this Mad Max type world exactly. that everyone's thinking it will be. Right. Is there a way of, I mean, if you look at the Egyptians, there's always a, a re reconnection, right? Right. They it go never, back to their old system. It never stays system. and collapse. No, it doesn't. Right? Not. It always comes back together at some point. For not for, with more equality 
in mind, right? Um, For men. Yeah, but like it goes back to the same authoritarian regime. It doesn't suddenly become... even within the intermediate period, it's still the same patriarchal system. That never changes. And what I talk about in the last chapter of The Good Kings is precisely this. Will we... Are we potentially right now perched on the edge of another human revolution? And is that human revolution, and I believe it is, a post-patriarchal revolution in which we decide to Hopefully. throw off this idea that that a small subset of elite men get mm-hmm. to have their way with us? Yep. And if if we're going to do that, what will the world look like? And there's a line in there that I've mentioned on this podcast before, I'll mention it again, that we need to forget what we think we know, and we need to remember what we've forgotten. And we humans have been living on this planet for a quarter of a million years. Patriarchy is incredibly young. Where we're sitting here uh, on the lands of the Tongva people in Southern California, it's a couple hundred years old. Mm -hmm. If we go to Anatolia, it's going to be maybe as old as 10,000 years. It's an arguable Mm -hmm. point. That's, That's nothing in the quarter of a million years of humanity. Our genetics, our brain wiring, all of it, we are wired to not live within that social inequality, to not live within those social strictures. As soon as those strictures relax, you can see it in society around Mm -hmm. you. People immediately go back to their freedoms. Spread out. Sexual freedoms, um, anti-patriarchal thoughts, giving children more power. Um, Sexual identities are, are very different in a non-patriarchal or anti-patriarchal way of thinking. And so I'm not saying that we romanticize the hunter-gatherer because that's not helpful. And we're not going to go back to being hunter-gatherers. That's, the, the, I, I don't think, yeah. no, we've, you're holding an iPad yeah. and look at notes. And yeah. I've got, you know, we're, we're not going to do that. And houses and- but what we do need to do is learn to live in a sustainable way with the earth and create more social equity. But look to the the hunter-gatherer and their relationship with the earth and with their economies to think about what what it is we can we create that's new. Capitalism's um, go, capitalism's going to have to go. It's going to have to go. It is because, and and this is a beautiful thing to that I can actually say straight up. Mm-hmm. Capitalism will die or we will die. Mm-hmm. If capitalism keeps going and it keeps hoarding the provisions of the earth, oh. raping and, and, and pillaging all of the resources that we have, creating more people, creating more growth, this planet will become unsustainable and humanity will go extinct. So if we don't want humanity to go extinct, then we have to create some sort of a steady state that works with this earth rather than pulling those resources for the few and, or, or we die. The earth now has something to say about it. It's very interesting to see that we've, we've grown and grown and grown and grown. And now we've reached the point where there is pushback from the place in which we are Mm -hmm. embedded. And it's a, it's a crazy interesting happy. time to be alive. No, Mother Earth is not happy. Not happy. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. But I'm more hopeful. I'll say this to people and they're like, oh my God, that's a very positive and hopeful way of looking at What's the human or, future. Or it's over, right? So it's like. <laughs> and it is, but that doesn't mean we're not going to go through some stuff. Yeah. yeah. We're going to, and we are. That's what I'm talking about. Having hindsight will always be, when you notice, when you are in it. Yeah. It could be really bad. Yeah. And, but until it's not bad and then looking back. You know, but you. Jordan, everything that we're dealing with in the world right now falls into this post or this this anti patriarchal revolution: gun control, mm-hmm. mass shootings by men, female uh, rights, women's rights, women's rights, trying to make all the rights. women have babies, force forced childbirth, which is essentially what those mm-hmm. laws are. 
anti-transgender, anti-gay yeah, legislation. Which um, DeSantis just proposed in Florida. Yes. And in other more traditional religious societies, uh, religious nationalism, mm -hmm. fundamentalism, patriarchies gaslight. That is the way they control their people. They make you think that what you're giving up, uh, the sexuality you're not able to identify with, wh whatever it is, they make you think it's moral and good and right and pure. Mm -hmm. And that gaslighting is part of the whole thing, which is why when the patriarch comes back at you and says, no, no, but this or that, it's all gaslighting. It's mm -hmm. all gaslighting, countering with gaslighting, piling on with gaslighting. And for those of you who don't know what the term gaslighting is, first, look it up. And, and second, it's, it's from a movie. It's Gaslight. from a movie, yes. I remember I watched it. To make somebody think that what they're experiencing and feeling is not actually Crazy. what they're yeah. experiencing and feeling or not for the reason yep. that they're experiencing it and feeling it. And that gaslighting is being exposed by and, and seen in that way by more people than not now. Yep. And it's a beautiful thing to yeah. see. I agree. There's one added quick question at the end here yeah. from Tanya. Um, they say they hadn't come across any mention in your recent public speaking on um, the war in Ukraine. Yes. I was wondering if you had any thoughts about it. Um, I think a lot out of all the people, you'd have a lot to say about strong men with nuclear buttons. Yeah, I mean, it's in the Good Kings. It's all in there. And I do mention strong men with nuclear buttons in in that book and in yeah, the last Putin's chapter. A... Oh yeah, it's perfect. This fits into all of the things that, that we're discussing. And if you want to try to be anti-patriarchal, as I say in my lecture, my, my Nat Geo lecture about um, female power, we, we need to stop denigrating and treating with hostility stereotypical female emotionality. Mm -hmm. Oh, we, I know. I always say this because I'm like, Men get angry and start wars. What What are the accepted emotions for men? To be angry, anger, um, to lash out with that anger, yeah. and to be like blandly happy, and nothing. That's yeah. it. And Stoic. That's it. Yes. And then when women come into power, then the stereotypical response, hostile response, is, "Oh, she's all PMSy. She's going to start a war." And and my my response to that is, it is the suppression of human emotion, the suppression of empathy. The suppression of compassion to feel mm -hmm. with others and to feel what they might feel when you launch that red button yeah. that, or the, launch that bomb that allows the patriarch to feel they are doing what is right. They gaslight themselves too. Yeah. And to, to shoot that missile off without any compunction, without any feel for mm -hmm. what that other person is going to suffer. It's the same for any 18-year-old who's going to, or, or whoever, is going to walk into a place and kill a whole bunch of people with their AR-15. You know. It is about those suppressed emotions. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very much in favor of, of people uh, positively looking at human emotionality, male and female, because patriarchy is not anti-man, very pro-man, but, but trying to find a way to connect with it emotionally. And yeah, no, Ukraine fits into, yeah. into every aspect of this. And I can only hope that uh, there will, you know, I think Ukraine is doing the best it can to fight. But, yeah, but obviously we are pro-Ukraine. Pro we are not um, okay with yeah. Russians, you know, disregard of sovereign boundaries. But and look at our country and not able to like, within the patriarchal system of, of very carefully balanced agendas, mm -hmm. including oil and economic oh, yeah. growth and, and other things. 
that we don't do what actually is right for the people of Ukraine, but also if you did, would it maybe potentially create a worse situation? Everyone's thinking about themselves too, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's but, a mess. It's a mess. And and yeah. for and Tanya, just know that I decided a long time ago, like years ago, that I can't mention every crisis that pops up on the planet and say condolences and thoughts and prayers for because it's too many. I'll miss something. I'm not. Well, I can't. You, I can't you do it all. Offer those things by speaking out. I think right. Like what's thoughts and prayers? What's that actually do? Yeah. But you know, speaking out against authoritarian regimes like Putin's is. Yeah. The way you contribute to that conversation. And I keep it local too. When yeah. if I'm going to criticize, yeah, it's easier I to like criticize to, America. It's because it's, it's ours. We don't want to exactly. you know, offend. We're not in that other culture. We can't. Not that I don't criticize yeah. others. I think Putin's, I do. It's Putin's, in the book, yeah, I think he's open to criticism. <laughs> or not he's open, but everyone can criticize him. Yeah. But I try like. to keep it more local, more close to home, more self referential so that I'm not. I'm, I'm not colonially imposing my yeah, we, Western I mean, ideals and thoughts on other people. You're not a political scientist on every culture, so it's no. like you can't know everything about everything. No. But yes, obviously Putin, I think, is fits the the strongman type to mm-hmm. a T. So, mm-hmm. but it will be, um, yeah, interesting how this plays out. I'm, I still can't believe you know it's on the news every night, and it's very sad. Yeah. So, but that's keep, the patriarchy. One man with that much power, and because he feels belittled or shamed or somehow weak or needs to show his power, then goes out and causes havoc I just, for so many millions of people. But but doing that, and then meanwhile, his people, he's destroying their economy. Yeah. There, it's going to be, there's all those companies are pulling out of Russia, McDonald's pulled out, like, yeah. <gasps> right? Yeah. Like, the their economies, so it's like he's not even worried about his own people. He's on this, like, mission well, because it's often successful, these things. Yeah, but... In a short-term way for this one particular man. But... He's not going to live forever. This is the way patriarchy works. It is destructive. That's the point. For the person, too, I feel yes. like. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so... Most... Have you ever looked around and thought of who are the most important and successful patriarchs in power in your community whether they're Elon Musk or or Putin or whoever, these are not they're not happy people. I know. They're not, you know, they're not there to create a sustainable the... compassion for the world and and live in peace with their fellow man. Yeah. They're there to take shit and take power and show their power and and beat their chest. That's you long what it's ago about. gave up part of your humanity yes. when you pursued such a venture. Yeah. It's not we, I think like most normal people would say, we never would want that role or position or that much power or things like this. But the people who do, say there's something particular yeah. about them. Humanity is sick. We've been living with this patriarchal system imposed upon us for so long that so many of us don't have, we aren't in touch with our emotions. We're all full of trauma and it's generational trauma. And now we're all looking at it mm-hmm. with shock and horror, though I really think that indigenous and black people are in the United States are like, really? Oh, We've yeah. been living with this for yeah. a long time and now you're just seeing it. And I totally get that perspective. And totally different. <laughs> but more and more people are waking up and, yeah. and seeing all yeah. of these things. But it's, um, it's a lot of trauma that humanity suffered from, from these kinds of just structures and to controls. Vote. This is- yeah. But then, and then I know some people listening are like voting schmoding because what's it going to get you? Because that system is fucking broken too. Yes. But Certain but I'm people gonna vote. are going to vote. Yeah, I know. Certain people, I think, I have 
a desire to change it and yeah. other people have a desire to let it burn. Mm -hmm. And so, and we can't just let it burn. It, it needs to be just fixed. Yeah. So what do we compost so and we, what do we keep? Yes, exactly. What do we build up? Where do we put the compost that we yep. made? All of these things. Good. Thank you, Tanya. Those were really great questions. Yeah. Yeah. Good way to start with the end of the world, Good start, Tanya. yeah. Thanks for bringing <laughs> apocalypse, all good. But we can end on a happy note that hopefully, you know, when you're going through a tough time, you think it's the worst thing ever, but you always see the light at the end of the tunnel and you mm -hmm. look back and it's, you know, something you you went through and made you stronger. Yeah. So we can maybe end on a positive note that yeah. going through this, maybe we'll end out somewhere better. Oh, I heard someone saying, like... So say you went to like a psychic and the person said, oh my goodness, your father's going to die when you're at a young age and this is going to be horrible. And if you knew that, you would be like, oh, what am I going to do? But if that same psychic said, you're going to go through a very difficult period at a young age and you're going to find your way through to the other and side. And afterwards be super happy. And afterwards yeah. like gain knowledge and wisdom from all of those experiences, then it's a different thing. So you don't want to focus on what particular things you will lose. And we will lose a lot of things that we feel we cannot lose. And we can. And we have to go through that. And then by by going through that, we become more resilient. If we treat it in a certain way, a lot of bitterness can be created yeah. if you reject it and you say, why me? And how can this be happening? Yeah. Um, or you like self-implode. What um, Remy, my husband, always says is we all have dead people. It's the rac um, rocket raccoon mm -hmm. in Guardians of the Galaxy. I like that line. Um, we all have dead people, and we do, but some people refuse their dead people, and that's not going to help. But so no. embrace your dead people, carry your ancestors with you, and um, they can help you too. No. That's what our history work is, mm -hmm. in a way. It's like carrying and embracing the ancestors. I like to think of it that way. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with thinking Knowledge. about it that way. Yeah. Though an academic world would roll their eyes yes. and be like, fuck you. What is this embracing ancestors bullshit? But... It's um, it's another way of thinking it can be about. Gained by studying it. Yes, yeah. it's historical exactly. practice, and they are whispering to us: "You need to do it differently. You need to do it differently. We've done it this way. We've done it Will this way." Will we learn? We who knows? <laughs> it's an interesting time to be alive. Will we yes. learn it? Mm -hmm. And I, we probably won't know. Maybe you will. You're mm -hmm. 20 years younger than me, so yeah. you might get to live to see it. I probably won't, but see some sort of glimmer of an anti-patriarchal reality. I don't. Mm. I, I think so. See, but it's, it's going to go be, one of two ways. <laughs> We're going to lose <laughs> cities. We're going to lose millions of people. I mean, we don't have water here. Exactly. That's, that's not going like, to, that's crazy not crazy shit's going to go down. <laughs> For even the near future. Yeah. So. It's, it's madness. Things will, changes will have to be made whether people like it or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Thank you, Tanya. That was a really thoughtful question. Um, our next question comes from Kim on Discord. Um, they yay, say. Discord. Yay, Discord. Get on Discord. Hi, Kim. So they visited Egypt in 2007, mm -hmm. and obviously a lot has changed since then. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about traveling to Egypt, your favorite sites, mm -hmm. travel group recommendations, or traveling solo? Mm -hmm. Would you consider ever leading a group? Oh, yeah. And they also say they love the Amelia Peabody series. Oh, so we're yay. Do this. Just wait for me to finish this book, and then I'm going to read yeah. those books. After Kara has some more free time, I can't we will wait. get her the audiobook. It'll be so much fun. Um, so yeah, traveling to Egypt. Traveling to Egypt is great. It's so funny. Whenever I'm doing a public lecture, one of the questions invariably is, is it safe, safe. to go to Egypt? Ugh. And then I, it's so much. I just laugh. I know. it's, And I laugh too. And I say, really, you're asking this in the United States where everyone has an AR-15 if it's safe to yeah. go to Egypt. No one has guns there. <laughs> no, where here you can get shot. What did someone put on Twitter the other day that you can get shot in the hospital and then 
get shot in the grocery you know, store, so then you go the to movie the school, theater, then you get shot the in the gr- yeah, exactly, and then you get shot in the church, and then yeah. you go back to the hospital. You can get shot everywhere. So um, the United States minority rule gun gun owning problem is way more dangerous yeah. than any traveling in Egypt will ever be. The, You'll have culture shock when you get there, so you, you might will. feel you know, a fish out of water, which will happen. And maybe that will make you feel kind of unsafe or unsure of yourself. But it's not that you're actually unsafe. You just are having culture shock. And that's totally normal. You tell me what you think. But the biggest thing I think that freaks out the standard white person Mm -hmm. when they go to Egypt, um, Westerner, whatever, American, Australian, whoever, is that everyone is in your business. Yes. And like that, and like, Yes, they want to talk to you. Yes, Egypt is a place, like if you're in Cairo, you're in a city of 20 million relatives, in a sense, where Mm -hmm. everybody is connected to everyone, and everyone kind of treats you like they're your in-laws. Yeah. They get to tell you how things are, where to go, what to do. This is not maliciously meant. Everyone offering you services, and you think like, oh, they're trying to exploit me, get my money, or these things. And And some people might. some people do, I think, in the more touristy areas. They're offering you things. But most people are just like... a lot of people just like do want to just, hey, I'll show you a way. Yes. uh, Like, they know you're not a local. Yeah. And then as soon as we say something to them, like, oh, we've been here before, then they're like, oh, okay. And then they like leave you alone. Like, as soon as you're like, no, I'm good. I've been here before. Like... I've never seen more cultural cohesion than in Egypt. That comes with good and bad. Mm -hmm. You know, here... You're walking along the street and somebody's bleeding on the sidewalk. People, people keep will keep walking. walking by because there's all of this drug use and there's scary stuff and we have separation between people and the you caste don't. System. We, yeah, Egypt has a caste system too. Every place has a caste system, arguably. But like we separate ourselves more from each other and we don't demand a cultural cohesion. We're much more competitive with well, each other in the, internally. In, in the, individualistic yes less cooperative and communal yeah in egypt there is a communal demand and and what the baggage that brings with it is of course if the community demands that all the women wear headscarves you need to be wearing a headscarf you need to dress in a certain way you need to act in a certain way you need to follow a certain religious protocol so that can get get to be accepted by the community yes and you have to do what your family asks Mm -hmm. you to do but you'll never be alone Mm -hmm. And you'll always have... Someone will take care of you. Yes. Yeah. Like, you've walked in, in Cairo, you know, at two in the morning mm-hmm. in a city full of people, and you know that you're safe. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we tried to do that in downtown LA, oh my God. Yeah. You might feel more comfortable because you know it or mm-hmm. something better. I think that's what people com- get confused with, like, feeling uncomfortable because they don't know a place. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't know a culture. All these right. things with fear of actually, like physical safety. Right. And so you need to separate those two. Like, yeah, you'll feel uncomfortable because you're in a new culture. There's different food. There's, it's, Cairo's packed. It's a huge city. There's so many people there. It's totally different, you know, than cities that you might know of. Mm -hmm. So you're having culture shock, not actual physical, you're not ever in physical danger. Yeah. So the the best thing I can say, if you go to Egypt on your own, which you can totally do, yeah. oh my God, yes, you don't have to do a Especially, tour. And as a woman, I've known many oh, women yeah. who go to Egypt by themselves. Yeah. I'm, and we're not saying the sexual harassment and sexual assault does not happen. Yes. It happens everywhere. And you do need to watch out for those things. So I don't want you to like, you know, be running down the streets of Cairo alone in a normal Western dress or anything. Just don't. Or in any dress. Just, you know, you don't, you want to be a little bit more modest it, and it, stuff it and express, aware of your circumstances. You know, use common sense, yeah. right? But, um, but going to Egypt alone or with others in a smaller group, you want to use your social skills. Mm-hmm. And 
um, well, there's always someone who will with... offer, you know, you, the first cab you get from the airport to your hotel. Yeah. <laughs> the guy will be like, here's my number. Call yeah, me it's true. if you want rides to other places. Yeah. And so you can make that initial connection and relationship with that person if you have a good rapport and yeah. you like them. Yeah. You can just, and then he'll be your guy and take you to those sites. It's and so true. You, like they automatically kind of offer up these things. Yeah. And, and you so, can be like, hey, I want to do a day yeah. trip to Saqqara. Can and, you do that? And yes. They'll stay and with you, you the whole day. And you get each other's mobile phones and you, and you do figure WhatsApp it out. And, yeah. You know? Yeah. They're a taxi driver, so they will drive you, hang around while you're at the site, mm -hmm. and you'll say, oh, we want somewhere to eat. And they'll be like, oh, I know a place. And they'll yeah. take you. You know, it's all, it's super, they're super giving. Super um, giving, super generous, and super funny. You yeah, really yes. better bring your sense of humor yeah. to Egypt because people are fucking funny. Yeah. And it's my favorite part of this place. Everyone's like telling a joke. Everyone's kind of just messing around. And it, it's really fun. Mm -hmm. It's really fun. So so bring that with you on your tra travels to Egypt. The people can overwhelm. And we're not used yes. to this. We use our privacy and social space Differently, yeah. and we recharge in that Our private bubbles space. Bubbles of privacy are different. So you want to create that in whatever way that you can, so that you don't feel overwhelmed. Egyptians grow up in this, so they have a different yeah. way of of protecting themselves in this mass of twenty million people. They mm -hmm. don't have as many boundaries as as we do, or they have different boundaries. Different boundaries, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, the other thing that you have to the, the most dangerous thing for me going to Egypt is. <laughs> Is I'm not, um, you know, I have peasants, I am of peasant stock, so you would think I would be better, but I'm a sensitive namby pamby who always gets sick in yes, Egypt. Yeah. And so I have to bring with me my pharmacy in a bag and, you know, yeah. you know I've you got my Tibetan doctor to... with my pills and yes. all this stuff. And, yeah. Even yeah. like if, even the, wa the water is potable, like you can drink the water in Cairo or something, it's very chlorinated. Well, I always bring my. You bring your to, filter. I go to REI, I get a little portable filter. I never buy bottled water if I can help it. Sometimes it can't be helped. And I go to the usage. tap and I press down on my little bottled water thing. And then I've got water that yeah. I know is safe. And it is safer because a lot of people are trying to make a buck by yeah. bottling bottle, by bottling tap water and not, you know, it's not yeah. actually real but bottled water. But it's just, water. you know, different gut bacteria. So there's, you'll, yes. you will have some tubby upset. Just traveling in general tends to upset your gut biome. I so. mean, I don't, I don't get this when I go to Rome, for example. Yes. But I definitely get it's this just, when I go to Egypt. So you want to protect yourself and bring what you need to bring. Um, don't be afraid of going to a pharmacy. Yeah, and they're just they normal. speak English, and they yeah, most people speak English in Egypt. Oh yeah, yeah, especially and in the cities. They'll be able to help you with whatever it is you need, and you can be very open and honest about what it is that you have. Um, I would be very careful about being uh, non-binary or yeah. homosexual in Egypt and expressing that identity openly or dressing with that identity because. This is again a, a place that demands communal. Yeah, there's all. Cohesion. I mean, there is like and a, this is not. But this is a patriarchal big place. Big gay this is underground, not, but they do. But you want to be careful with that, that, yeah. Because Egypt's government is not um, kind yes. to these people, and you want to be protective in that space. Yeah. So I'm not saying that if you don't identify with cisgender that you can't go. You can, and we have many friends who do. Mm -hmm. You just have to be more careful yeah. about how you do. Same that. with. Being a woman, like yep. you're not going to go in your spaghetti, your tube top and booty shorts. Oh, damn. Some people do. They do. They, do. they go Some to the tourist do. spots and, you mm -hmm. know, it's fine. But if you want to blend in a little bit more yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as much as you can, yeah. yeah. 
but it's totally worth going. Do you have any tour group recommendations? I don't know if you have any friends. That... Yeah, there's a, you know, the tour groups that are out there, they're really good. Like uh, Peter Lacavara does one. Steve Harvey does one. Um, Emily Teeter does one. Though, I... Emily Teeter does one. You know, there's great tours. They're just, they cost they bank. They a lot. Yeah. They cost bank. So you could do a tour that costs you 10K for one person, yep. which is insane. And you in Egypt's? With, it's cheap. It is. You, you don't need to stay, go and spend. You can stay in really nice hotels. And you, can't, you can stay at the Hilton or you can stay... If you stay at a two, three star, which is what I did when I was young, I stayed at one star places, you know, where you get your boiled egg in the morning with a piece of bread. But I fine. actually, like, now having stayed in those places, I like them better. Yeah, I, I kind of do too. Like I on the West Bank. Yes. In Luxor, like the Amun yeah. house. and Yeah. I, I don't know. Super they're simple. The, the staff cares. Local. Yeah. Like you go to a hotel that's like Hilton or whatever, like they don't care about yeah. you. They don't care about your service. Yeah. Like actually. But when you go to like these family run places on the West Bank, like their kids are right there and they mm-hmm. will be like, what are you, are you guys going to be here for dinner? Or like we'll cook dinner for you. Yeah. They ask. Yeah. They'll set up a car for us. Um, they go get us beer. They do. They do. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. they, like, actually care for you. Yeah. And it means a lot because it's their They'll family business. They light a business. fire at night. Yeah. And so, it's, like, if you're in like Luxor, real... you can stay East Bank or you can stay West Bank in the village and get a tiny boutique hotel, and a small like, place. it's, like, 20 it's bucks wonderful. a night. It is. And it's, it's And it's, like, good service. You know, nothing fancy, but you have air conditioning, you have a bathroom, you have a bed. This is why people go to Egypt again and again, because they create a community of people they stay with in Elephantina, a community of people they stay with in Luxor, and so on and so forth. And then they can they stay in touch with these people mm-hmm. via social media, yeah. and then they go back again and yeah. stay with the same people. It's wonderful. Yeah, I still talk to Hamdi that oh, we met. Yeah. I still touch base with him. Yeah. So it's like... You make these connections and... And like when we were staying, um, the Amun al-Ghazira was, was full, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the new one. Uh, and so they put us in another place. Yeah. Right? So they're like, oh, well... Because you were friends with the dad. Exactly. And, and so then they, they were just like, oh, no, this place. one's full, but this one's open and it's brand new and there's a pool on the roof. And, exactly. And so and and we were people, like, okay. <laughs> people kind of lose it because they're so used to getting taken advantage of in a place like Rome. You know, yeah. so if you go to, or Paris, you go to Paris and someone's like, no, this hotel is full. Let me take you to this hotel. It's probably a scam. You're probably going to get like your, your wallet, wallet stolen, stolen. <laughs> and dropped off in the, oh, the wrong arrondissement, you know, at two in the morning. That's completely possible. But if that's, I'm not saying it doesn't happen in Egypt. I'm not saying there's not bad shit in Cairo, but it's more unusual yeah. than not. I remember first time Jeff and I were in Egypt by ourselves, someone tried to take advantage of us in a yeah. malicious way. Yeah. Telling us, oh, this bridge is closed. There's a protest. You have to come down this way. And this other Egyptian stopped his car mm-hmm. and said, he's lying to you. Oh, and wow. apologized and said, like, I'm sorry. Like, a lot of people are, it's hard times right now. Right. You know, people are desperate. Right. And so I'm sorry. Like, he was trying to take advantage of you. But, like, he had to stop to apologize for his people. He wanted to be like, we're not like, you know. And we were like, no, like, we didn't. Yeah. We saw through it. Like, we were just like, no, we're good. We're walking back to our hotel. So whatever. you kind of want to start with one point person yeah. whom you can I think trust. just having one contact. And then they'll introduce you to that person yep. and this person and another person and another person. Exactly. And then you, you know where to go. I think when Jeff was in Egypt last time, he met, befriended the cab driver yeah. from the airport. And then he gave him his card and Jeff had him drive him when he was going to Karnak. And yeah, like Remy had just, a horrible situation when he got dropped off. Because I just flagged a cab and I'm like, okay, you're off to the airport. And the guy dropped him off in the wrong place, and he had to get another cab, and the guy took his money, and it was a disaster. You do want to go 
negotiate with, the price before you get into or the go cab. with people you know and we yeah. learned i'm like okay i won't just flag some random person yeah. down go to the hotel where you and get the cab get, yeah, and exactly. have them call the cab or and something and it'll be a little bit better so you know there there are things you can do but traveling around egypt you know is like traveling around anywhere and traveling around any big populated place there's there's going to be all of these issues but um but now in cairo there's uber yeah, you there can is just order Uber. an Uber. It's super yeah. easy, and they're yeah. nice air-conditioned cars now. I know, it's right? Crazy. Like, it's super, super nice. easy to get around, yeah. and place good places to eat. Mm-hmm. Like, it's yeah, it's awesome. If I could recommend, if you have unlimited money, would to do a boat cruise, like the um, the Felucas or yeah. the the Habeas or whatever down the cruise down the Nile, and you can find those, those places. Are just beautiful. On Travelocity, I follow or them other on like Instagram. They have these, yeah. these amazing Instagram accounts and beautiful. And just book it yourself. Yep. You don't have to be part of a tour. And it's, and once you're it's there, fun. if you want to hook up with a tour group, the hotels often will be like, "There's a group of people leaving for mm-hmm. Giza." We have a minibus yes. tour, and going you can out like tomorrow. sign up to be part of a group. So if you want to have that kind of sense of mm-hmm. group, you know, safety but, numbers or something. Because Egypt is overwhelming. There's so much history, yeah. and you don't know what you're looking at. And you can look in your book, and then people see you looking at mm-hmm. the book, and you're like, "God damn it! Now everyone's going to come and help me know what this thing is yes. that I'm looking Everyone at." Everyone will come offer you information, and that can be very overwhelming. So it is nice maybe to go with a guide because the guide will be like, "Stay away. These are my people." Yes, and then they, they people won't will. bother you as much it, if you're it, with. Someone. It is nice to bring a guide with you to Giza, to bring a guide with you to Saqqara. Otherwise, it's like, "Do you want to buy the scarf? Mm-hmm. And do you want to ride my camel?" Mm-hmm. And yeah, but. And there's nothing wrong with buying the scarf. No, we bought. How many scarves have we bought? So many scarves. <laughs> um, I remember that one time we were sitting outside of um, Dendera. Yes. And we were drinking Cokes. Yes. And they were. We, Cokes they had, never taste so good. Uh, yes, when it's hot. Out of those we glass were, bottles. Cold. They, and the scarves were like next to like the little food stand. And we yeah. sat there drinking our Cokes long enough that eventually all of us were like, those scarves are really pretty. And we all bought a scarf. <laughs> yeah. We just I, sat there. We were like, actually, that scarf's really nice. It's the pink long one. I yes. Guess. I wore it the other yeah. day. It's really cute. Um, as for me leading tours, um, I don't do them because I don't have time mm-hmm. because what tours pay is not what my time is usually yeah, they cost worth. you guys a bunch, but you don't probably pay you that much. They don't. And, and people who go on tours and do them, they do them well, but they, I'm, I'm always trying to do like four different things at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I have a child. Yeah. The people who go on tours, none of them have children yeah. at home. I have a kid at home. And what am I going to do? Go away for two weeks? Am I going to bring him? And he's going to be there while I work? It's it's just not really something that's conducive not, with motherhood. Yeah, it doesn't fit in with your lifestyle. Mm-mm. It doesn't really work. Yeah. And so... You just have to become a grad student. And then you get to go to <laughs> Egypt with Kara. <laughs> Hopefully we'll go in December. Let's see what we can do. Hoping. We want to. Um, but anyway. Yeah. So that's, that's the answer. And there's so much more to that question. Yeah. So start getting online. Find some groups and, and see what you can... What you can figure out. We could start a Discord. Yeah, we thing can start about a this. Discord channel about yeah. traveling to Egypt, places yeah. to recommend. That would be fun. And hotels. we could put in the we go the horseback links. riding when we're there. So yeah, we can and throw our horseback yeah, because you want to know who you're going to go riding yeah. with, yep. and you want to if you want the Al Gazira Hotel, we can give you that. Yeah, you know, we can put, we can put the, up some links. Yeah, and then you can organize your own your own and trip. ask questions and exactly. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Good idea. Okay. Next question, also from Discord. Don't have their name, but I have their Discord handle. Yeah. Which is, I don't know how to pronounce this, but ID Ski. I'd Ski. <laughs> so maybe someone who likes to ski. I hope so. I don't ski. I've never ski. skied, and I'm I've six foot two, never, and I'm never going to ski. I've never skied no. either. Oh, really? No, Everyone's I'm so skied. clumsy. I'm so clumsy. My legs are two different lengths. My legs are too long. My legs are two different lengths. When short people fall, 
you know, it doesn't hurt them as much. But I have yeah. so much longer to no, go. No, I would break something. I would break my Absolutely. head. I would. No, I'm not skiing. I know that, better that than ship to, has I went tubing. That's Mm-mm. more my style. Tubing just, and staying in the chalet and drinking the wine. I'm going to stay in the chalet. You go tubing. I might like go or outside like in the, the balcony spa. and take a deep breath and then go back inside. Yeah. Yeah, I'm into tubing. Tubing's fun. I mean, maybe I'll do that. That sounds fun. You just send the tube and you. Oh, does it ever go flying and you like? No, fall no, off? it's just like down the hill. You just into go fast. a tree. And there's big tubes where it can be like six people all together. Oh. And you sit and you all hold on. It's fun. This person is probably like a ski instructor. And yeah, like, oh, and they're like laughing at us right yeah, now. Yeah, probably. But sorry, sorry okay. about our lack of skiing skills. Well, I don't know. Or maybe their last name. Maybe they're Polish. Oh my god. Oh my god. That's I'm Polish. Polish. <laughs> my last name is Skis. I don't know. That's you can tell true. us more about yourself if you would, if you would like yes, to share. Yes, you can. Sorry. Um, so a preface. They say, I grew up in Detroit, went to public school, mm-hmm. and never deep-dived into Egyptian academia. Mm-hmm. So I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. You don't need to be. No. You can, Everyone knows something about you Egypt. You don't have to go to a fancy school to be able to think and no, all these things. No, I did read all the books in the Hood bookstore, as this person says. Sorry, this is me pointing more away. This person, they've read all the books, Stolen Legacy, Herbach, the Egyptian. Yes. Those books. Yes. There's too many to count full of misinformation. Many books I came up reading saying most modern religions originated in Egypt. These books. Is this a modern myth, presumption, secret knowledge, truth, bullshit, question mark? I read a few years ago back a book titled In Search of the Miraculous, where the author quotes a mystic G.I. G.I. Gurdjieff. I don't know how to pronounce it. No, Gurdjieff. I don't. Can you pronounce it? Gurdjieff? Gurdjieff? I don't know. I don't know. A mystic saying that his theory of um, Christian practice originated in Egypt before Christianity started. Mm-hmm. And then they cited the page, so we have it here, where it says, it, may, it will seem strange to most people when I say that this prehistoric Egypt was, was Christian many thousands of years before the birth of Christ. That is to say that this religion was composed of the same principles and ideas that then later constituted true Christianity. Yeah, so it's, it's they want to know your it's thoughts. It's all patriarchal gaslighting bullshit, in yeah. short. So, um, so ID ski, yes, Polish or skier, whoever you are, Detroit, Detroit person. person. Um, I I will respond by saying there is a shit ton of misinformation out yeah. there because so many people are trying to use, and that's what the Good Kings is about. Mm-hmm. They are trying to use the greatness of Egypt. This is yeah. it's great. There's big pylons, there's big pyramids, there's obelisks. I we think don't know how things were built. Point of it's modern awesome. myth is, is right. what it is. So people want to claim that, and that's what we're getting at. So stolen legacy is is an Afrocentrist perspective mm-hmm. saying that Egypt started it, thus black people started it, thus white people are subservient to the black cultural way. Oh and I and I just they, made me think of Tomas Schneider's lecture on oh, when, on Thursday. Yes. Just all the like weird Nazi stuff of they had a program called White Africa. Oh my god! Yeah, and it's a palm tree with a swastika over it. Oh my god! And it was Grapow started it. Ah, oh. and insane. So I guess what I'll say is that you can claim to be the first as a white person who likes Egypt and thinks Egyptians are white, or you can claim to be the first as a black person who likes Egypt and thinks Egypt started it all. In both cases, invariably, you will be a man and you will be a patriarch and you will be trying to prove your power and supremacy over others by making an argument of who was there first, who started something. That's Whenever you read in, in the newspaper or some media report that this is the first time that the, mm-hmm. you know, the clock was invented, or this is the first time 
whatever. This is all about people trying to manufacture power through past antiquity, through past greatness. And that's, I think, where a lot of, where most, you could argue that most pseudoscience bullshit comes from patriarchal power grabs Mm -hmm. and manufacturers, if not all. Yeah. I do think the notion of there being aspects of Christianity or what would become Christian practice in Egypt, Mm -hmm. because you do see... When you do, when you read Coptic literature, mm-hmm. when there's still kind of some presence or legacy of ancient Egyptian religion percolating around, and you know, you when you you read the Bible, for example, I'm not a Hebrew Bible scholar, but I was teaching Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and so many of the little ditties in the Bible, I'm like, oh, this is the same yeah. in ancient Egyptian texts because of this Near Eastern, right. North African cultural milieu that all these things were stewing within. Um, totally agree. So that's, I think, what they're, what the truth is in it, is that it's, they're born out of a, a cultural connections that are happening. Christianity wants to present itself as completely novel, mm-hmm. based on the teachings of Jesus yes. as this new and radical thing that, that started a new salvation for humanity. Christianity, in actuality, is a collection and melange of different cultural elements, many of them Egyptian, mm-hmm. most of them patriarchal. Jewish, yeah. <laughs> that that blend together, that bring in polytheistic trends, that bring in um, an idea of monotheism that really isn't as radical, if we compare it to Akhenaten, mm-hmm. who was arguably more radical than whatever Christianity ended up becoming. Yeah. But yes, Christianity was... It did gestate and grow and become within an Egyptian place. Mm-hmm. And so you get the the mother and child, the virgin birth. Um, a lot of Gnostic ideas are, are well, from Egyptian religion. Yeah. This and is I fine. I think this idea of the philosophicalness of Christianity and then tracing it back to like hermeneutics and all these mm-hmm. things that people like to connect with Egypt. And, yeah. um, so I think that's part of it. But too. Christianity came from some place, and it came from a zeitgeist. It's not completely novel, completely new from yeah. one man, in my opinion. Jesus um, didn't know it was around either. No. <laughs> Until it was, it was a while after. So did Christianity then come from Egypt? Well, no. But parts of it did. Did it come from Jerusalem? Well, no. But, but you parts can't, of it I did. I think the question of where did it come from is not a good question anyway, because religions don't come from like a single source. But that's a patriarchal question. Yeah. But like, it's a question that's like, come from I a did this and my One people did this. One person doesn't make it. No. Right? It's, no. it's developed over time. Again, you only see it as, with hindsight. You can't see it as it's happening. There could be a religion right now being formed. But would we know it's being formed or happening? No. No. Yes, maybe. maybe. But we're, we're all reminded that there is no such thing as a political history. Mm-hmm. It's all political. And yeah. the stories we tell ourselves are, sto- are, are told with an agenda in mind. Yeah. And this question is hitting upon all of that. Yep. Yeah. So good idski, idski for asking this question. Good for being critical thinker. Yeah. Um, yeah. As you said, lots of misinformation, but, you know, good to be reading and uh, keeping up on everything. Yeah. Okay. We have our last question um, for June from Mar- uh, Marissa here, from also from the um, Discord. Yeah. And it's about the recent mass discovery of the coffins from Saqqara. Yeah. And they, they said, will this delay your book? 
<laughs> That's really funny. Um, well, these are late period yes. coffins. So They're 25th, the 26th dynasties. So no, my coffins are 20th, 21st, early 22nd, and there I draw the line. And even within my 21st, 22nd dynasty coffins, I... I can't see all of them. I have a sample of coffins that I've seen in person because there's like almost a thousand of them. It's too many. And uh, no one has that much time. And the book needs to be, I, I have kept delay. I have delayed this book long enough and it needs to be uh, finished. Right, Amber? Yes. yes. <laughs> it will be finished soon. Um, the manuscript for peer review will be finished super fucking soon. And then we will spend the rest of the summer trying to clean up. And, and tie up loose. But any thoughts on those coffins in general about being cached together like that? I feel like Sakara's revealed a lot of those caches. Sakara and Luxor. Yeah. So Asasiv, they found um, one of those not long ago. And then Sakara's revealed at least three of them mm -hmm. recently. And, you know, these will be studied by researchers, but it takes time to study all of these different individual pieces and then come up with a, a way of of moving forward with yeah. an actual analysis. These are, these are not, you know, coffins, I always say, are the social documents par excellence, and they are. They preserve gender, socioeconomic place, mm -hmm. buying abilities, religious inclusion or exclusion, all of the regionality. They're amazing. But to be able to get all of that information out of one, you have to then compare it to something. And so then you have to look at 200 others, and then you create parameters for what it is you're comparing. Yep. And then your study goes from there. But it takes so much time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Coffin studies are not easy. Yep. They're not easy. Yeah. So those people will be working on those for the next hundred years. Yeah, they will. <laughs> Probably. They will. I look so. at that. But, but Marissa, I look at those discoveries and I just get tired. <laughs> I go, oh, my God. That's going to be so much work for somebody. But it'll, you know, it'll be fun. That's multiple dissertations right there. Yeah. Many, and, many, and, many dissertations. And to look at them from a technical aspect to yeah. identify the wood, to maybe do some some dating, C14 dating. Knows what's dating. inside of them. Yeah, exactly. Right? They it's just interesting. The ever-giving presents mm -hmm. for, for scholars. Yeah. Well, and, oh, and they're all a bunch of rich people. Yes, well, Trying to maintain their power in place whether it's in an intermediate period or a centralized period, but um, the rich people never gave up that uh, burial way. Even when the Quran said you will be buried in direct contact with the earth, trying to make people give up that burial way, they were, but then they put a giant, beautiful mausoleum all around them. And so, which you can visit in the Cairo mm -hmm. Cities of the Dead today. Always yeah. go see the Cities of the Dead in Cairo. It's one of the best cool. places you can go and visit. Cool spot, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, this was fun. Lots of good questions. Thanks to the patrons for submitting those. If you submitted one, but we for some reason didn't get to it, didn't see it in time, we'll get to it next for the July um, episode. And in the future, just you know, keep submitting questions. We will collate them together and answer them just like this. And, and I love it because I never know what Jordan's going to ask me. And I'm like, oh, that's fun. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And you know, we're nothing if not chatty. So yeah, and they can yeah. be they can be super academic questions. They can be silly questions. They can be whatever you want. Yeah, anything you want to ask us um, for <laughs> this. What did we say? On apparently that? on the Facebook Live, <laughs> poop and pee or bathrooms and sex or something. So whatever, uh, whatever is pont. You know, whatever you have questions about about but, ancient Egypt. Yeah, but so get on the the Patreon if you want to ask a question, and if you do become a member of the Patreon. At, a, at the middle tier, at mm -hmm. least, Jordan and I are going to do Zoom lives. So we'll have... Um, yeah, for the for the third tier, you can get... We'll do live Zooms and mm -hmm. things that you can watch. 
Um, middle tier will be not watch like you get to talk yeah, to well, us. Yeah, you get to we actually ask like, questions connect. live. Yeah, we'll do maybe live recordings too. Mm -hmm. um, do AMAs, things like that. So um, we're planning. You one. had to tell me what AMAs were because I'm a. Yes. I'm not a boomer, but I. You am know a what Gen it was though? As soon as I said it, ask me anything. anything. Like, so we'll be planning one of those. I think for middle of the summer. Yeah. Um, and that's live. Oh, like we can't be live for that. Yeah. We have no idea what you're going to ask about so we'll the ancient just, Egyptian ancient We'll just have bathroom. to roll with it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now someone has to ask about it now. I know. And you know, <laughs> there's not really a good answer to that question yeah. because there's only like that one toilet seat that's in Medina Tabu. And that's, and that's like of. it. That's all I know of. So we're going to have to research They probably this. did it just like everyone. Well, of course they did, but where and, it, and how and... You know, like pot. the Romans had that sponge on a stick thing. You know, what did they have? And, you know, it would be interesting to know. Pot shirt. Sand. Ostraca. <laughs> anyway. All right. We're going <laughs> to end. that note, end. we start with the end of the world and we end with poop. We're going to end, though, with reading off, um, give a shout out to all of our new oh, great. patrons. Okay. We're just going to use first names. Okay. And we can take turns. Okay. Um, so, um Go ahead. We're just doing first, first, first names? First names, yeah. Okay, cool. So we've got Catherine, Donald, intricate dialect. I have to say that whole yeah. thing. Mike, uh, Catherine, Abigail, Becca, Andrew, Tanya, Marissa, Jason, Sean, Ray for Beach. I like that. Yeah. Mm, that's cool. Um, Ryan, Victoria, Kimberly, Brian, we know who you are. Hi, Brian. Alicia and Michelle. Um, so thanks for asking yes. for your shout out and we're super excited to start the Patreon. Thanks guys. Thing. We will see you next time on After Lives of Ancient Egypt with, with, <laughs> <laughs> with me and with Jordan. Yes. So uh, maybe you've noticed we changed the name a little too. So yeah. Um, hit, those, hit those search parameters a little yeah, better. Exactly. But we're learning. Yeah. It may take us a while, but we're getting there. We'll get there. there. We'll get yeah. There. It's good. All right. Thanks everyone. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you to our listeners for your support and for subscribing wherever you listen. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with others and leave us a five-star review. Send us your questions related to the show and topic suggestions for future episodes to karakuni at gmail.com. You can find the show notes in the podcast section of my website, karakuniegyptologist.com. For that, thank you, Amber Myers-Wells. There you'll also find info on my books and upcoming lectures. While you're there, don't forget to sign up for my newsletter to keep up on the latest news and content from me. Check out the conversations that happen after the podcast mic is turned off by subscribing to our Substack After Lives After Party. You can find me on Facebook at Karakuni Egyptologist and on Twitter and Instagram at Karakuni. See you next time on After Lives with Karakuni.